At eLearning Brothers, we're helping everyone become an eLearning rock star with advice from learning industry thought leaders and how-to tips for engaging learners. This podcast features audio from our weekly webinar series. You can register to watch future webinars live at eLearningBrothers.com. In this episode, we're talking about designing impactful e-learning experiences. Without further ado, I'll turn the time over to our presenters, Richard Vass and Mohammed Elkholi. Oh, great. Thank you, Andrew. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining. I won't say much today. Give it, uh, Mohammed all the time that he needs to share some of his excellent insights. Um, Mohammed and I go way back many, many years. We first met in Egypt years ago as we were both certifying for a uh, um, some soft skills training, and he's gone on to wonderful things. Um, Mohammed is currently leading a team of design professionals in Bangkok in Thailand, almost midnight his time, so we really appreciate him being on with us. Um, and it's not often we get international professionals uh, in the arena across the a pond and in other parts of the world to uh, give us some insights. He's here, uh, he's back with us. He did a, a presentation a year or two ago, I think it was, and has made some updates to some of the suggestions he has for how to design and create impactful e-learning. So nobody better to give us uh, practical hands-on approaches to how to how to best make the most of online training. So um, glad to have a personal friend and a colleague. So really glad to have you here, Mohammed. I'll let you take it away, my friend. All right. So first of all, thank you so much, uh, Andrew. Thank you. Uh, Richard for the introduction. So, and, and thanks for eLearning Brothers for giving me the second chance to share with you uh, another sort of endeavor. So um, yeah, in today's webinar, we're going to discuss a tool that would enable us to design impactful e-learning experiences. And why impactful? Because it's not only about engagement. Um, e-learning, so our focus here will be on asynchronous self-paced e-learning and experiences because we're not going to talk only about courses, it's about e-learning journeys. And um, this tool is called the e-learning design map. And actually the trigger to uh, create or develop this e-learning design map was two things. Number one is that years ago I was looking for, or over the 12 years of, of experience in the L&D field, I was looking for a way to consolidate the different instructional design models into one document, one process. Then the second thing was, uh, as Richard mentioned, two years ago I had a webinar as well with eLearning Brothers, and at the time I was checking another um, uh, learning design map but was focusing on instructor-led training. And at the time I received many requests that people are looking for something that tackles the asynchronous uh, e-learning uh, or self-based e-learning uh, journeys or courses. So those were the triggers. And the good news is that the last 18 months, I was trying to um, test it, pilot it, apply it. Um, and thankfully, I'm, I'm currently running a team of designers and developers. So we're creating solutions for 2,000 plus employees, seven different countries. So I think what we're going to share today is quite solid. So that's the e-learning design map. Uh, before uh, proceeding, um, I would like to know more about you so that I can maybe guide you or customize my message according to your current positions or your profile in LND. So uh, this is our first poll. So if you would uh, answer this question about your current role in LND, 
68% of the audience is instructional designers, 58% e-learning developers, 35% are classroom or online trainers, 32% L&D specialists, managers, and directors, and only 17% are L&D consultants. And keep in mind that there could be, uh, I, I imagine a lot of our designers are also developers, or a lot of our specialists yep. are also designers or developers. Okay, cool. So uh, the good news is that, yeah, it, it matches everything, um, or all the, all the profiles that um, you, we're having in today's webinar. Um, so what is the e-learning design map? So number one, it's a project management tool. So it's a very comprehensive guideline that would enable you to manage your e-learning uh, project or designing your learning solutions end-to-end. -end. And we will see how. Second, it's a very comprehensive guideline having different steps and will tell you exactly how to complete each step uh, what exactly to be done in order to fulfill each of the stages of uh, the map. And finally, it has a section in which you will document everything, everything related to your project as a reference. So it's a project management tool, it's very comprehensive, and at the end of the day, you will have the full document related to your project in one-stop shop. And when to use it, uh, whether you're designing uh, e-learning journeys or courses from scratch, uh, most probably you will use, I would say, 60 to plus percent of the different stages of the e-learning design map. So number one, when creating new courses, uh, whether you're an instructional designer or um, you're working uh, on, on the provider side, not the corporate side, you'll benefit from using it in creating uh, courses from scratch. Second would be customizing courses. So if you already do have uh, e-learning courses and you just need to tweak some things, uh, the e-learning design map will be a good reference to see where are the gaps and how we, you can improve certain areas. And finally, uh, for people in the corporate L&D, uh, and I've been using this as well, to assess um, designs, whether they are internal designs, I mean uh, design of e-learning courses that have been developed internally within the corporate, or if you're working with third-party providers. So we'll be able to you know, check whether the design is proper, yes or no. And for the purpose of this webinar, uh, we're not going to cover each and every step or stage of the map yet. We're going, the main objective is to explore it and learn how to navigate through its different sections and components. And also, uh, you will have the map. Uh, I think, Andrew, it's, it's uploaded on um, our tool, right, webinar tool. Yes, so in the GoToWebinar control panel, there's a handouts section, and you can click it right there and you can download the PDF. So you feel free to do that at any time. Perfect. So um, I'd ask you this question. Uh, since we do have around 60, 70% instruction designers and e-learning developers, so using the, the chat, uh, chat box, what's typically the main design challenges that you face when it comes to asynchronous e-learning courses, the design phase of it. So what typically are the challenges you, you face? Um, okay, here they come. So one of the biggest challenge people are facing is learner engagement, uh, making it interactive, uh, scope mm -hmm. creeps, scope creeps coming up a few times, uh, designing quickly, uh, engagement, student engagement, organization of content into modules, uh, mm -hmm. managing time, oh, the subject matter expert requirements. 
uh, is a is a big one. Gaining engagement and interaction. So it seems like there's those 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 three are big ones. You know, interactivity and engagement, scope creep, mm-hmm. and then the amount of time uh, that that it requires to make it what it what the what you dream it would be. Yep. Well, those makes perfect sense, and uh, they are quite aligned with mine, by the way. So uh, I'll share with you my main six design challenges when it comes to e-learning. First is the control. So sometimes I do feel like, you know, I'm, I'm losing control on my design, uh, feeling lost. So one thing was controlling the process itself. Two is consistency. So how to be consistent in designing impactful uh, learning journeys, right? Rather than it's, you know, by chance, one course is good, the other one is not. Third is, and I think that was one of the three buckets mentioned, is learning engagement. So how to ensure that there is a consistency, not only in in the learning impact, but also on the engagement of our learners. Fourth, and that was mentioned, our stakeholders. Um, How do I guarantee that they are committed and they are aligned, whether they are the requesters or the clients or the SMEs? And this was mentioned as well. Time. Uh, how to avoid redoing any work, whether because it was not aligned with the SMEs or my stakeholders, or maybe because I didn't like the end product. So how to be more agile and avoid redoing work. And finally, uh, identifying the proper need of the client, which is actually crucial and actually presents the very first stage in our uh, map. So we will discuss over the presentation how the e-learning design map will overcome those challenges as well as the ones that you shared, one of which would be the content chunking uh, as well. Uh, To do so, we will need to first uh, explore the the three different components of the e-learning design map. Second, we'll share with you a couple of examples how we've been using uh, the e-learning design map in different course modalities. And finally, how um, it will solve our challenges, or at least my challenges. So uh, the components of the e-learning design map, um, once you download the map, you will find three main sections. The first is the map itself, and this is uh, the project management tool. This is the high-level guideline that would tell you where are you in your projects. Second one is the handbook, and this is the comprehensive guideline. This is the documentation in which you will actually type in and document every single uh, step uh, you do all, uh, throughout your project. And finally, the checkpoints, and this, I think, the last page of the design map, and this is sort of the quality assurance checkpoint, making sure that you won't miss any design step and ensures uh, quality, and it tells you when to move from one step to another. Uh, so you need to tick the box before moving from one step to another. Uh, through the upcoming slides, I'll explain each one of those three components and how to read them. So let's start with the map itself. And the map, you will find the map on two pages, uh, the second and third of your um, design map. And it is composed of stages. So in total, we do have two, uh, 10 stages. Those are the ones with the big numbers next to them. So you can find number one is the data collection, validation, proposal, and so on and so forth. Each one of these stages, it has steps, whether one to 10 uh, more or less steps uh, within each uh, stage. Each step has a question that you need to answer or an action that you need to fulfill. 
And this is what we're going to actually uh, complete in the section to which is the handout. And finally, next to some of the steps, you will find a yellow rectangle, which means that here there is a checkpoint, which means that you cannot move forward or actually it's advised to uh, fulfill this checkpoint before moving to uh, the, the following step. Why? In order to save you time. So let's take an example here. So O5, we have stage number five, which is the impact. It has a step, which is 5.1 expectations. And this step, which is expectations, is about developing the learning journeys objectives, not the course only, the learning objective, which is the action that you need uh, to do. And it has a checkpoint. And if we go back to the very last uh, page, you will find that this checkpoint is considering the other learning principles and aligning with the stakeholders. So in total, we do have 10 stages, 47 steps, and 34 checkpoints. So now one would say that, okay, so it seems that our map is going into a very linear approach, right? It's from one to two to three. So, but actually it has a different way of using it. So uh, by raise of hand, uh, I would like to know how many of you do apply agile uh, approaches to design. So following whether SAM, agile, or any, any other iterative agile approach to design. So it looks like only about 20% uh, of our audience does that. Okay, cool. Okay, so we will see how uh, the e-learning the e design map or our structure will go. So uh, first, uh, in the first two stages, actually, uh, it's about the needs analysis, right? So uh, first one is about identifying uh, the, the client needs through data collection and then how to validate this need, which is crucial and very important to proceed. And then the proposal, which is about documenting your conclusions and recommendations, going forward to you know, deciding on your project plan, project team, aligning with the stakeholders. And then one of the very important things is the impact. And, and this stage, it includes many two things, creating your learning objectives, and number two, in create, creating your impact matrix, which is about the your promise, what you're promising your stakeholders that learners will be able to do after attending this uh, journey. And then starting from step six, which is content, and um, it's about content resources, and here you will find answers to content chunking and content grading uh, flow and the real development of the con content, writing the content and the scripts. Starting from here, we will go into sort of cycles uh, in using an agile approach. So seven is the design in which you actually design your um, readiness, learning, and reinforcement stages. Uh, you design your, uh, you, you select your design strategy, and I'll share a couple of examples. You create your storyboards. And step eight is about actually the real development using your authoring tools, creating your templates, assets, doing user acceptance testing. And then we have another cycle between seven and eight and nine. It's another iteration uh, in which we do a, the rollout of, of the course and take the feedback and enhance whether the development or the design accordingly. And finally is uh, the result, which is about documenting the whole uh, journey as well as measuring the impact. So uh, yes, it goes more or less into linear waterfall approach from one to five, more or less, 
while well, starting from six to nine, it's completely uh, agile approach. And that's why I would recommend using uh, the same model. And I I'll share with you an example here. Uh, so um, a couple of months ago, or a period ago, uh, we were creating a course for coaching skills. And um, at that time, um, my team didn't follow um, an agile approach. So they went into a linear approach completely, even without more or less aligning with, with me or the, uh, the different stakeholders. And at the end, uh, we were not hitting the mark. We were not, you know, the course was not what we were aiming for. And it took around three weeks, uh, which is around a couple of thousand of, of dollars. And at the end of the day, we had to revamp it. So that's one benefit I see from uh, following agile approaches. So it was kind of a lesson learned. So that was the map and how it is structured on the workflow rather than the two pages that you will find in your document. Second part is the handbook. And as I mentioned, the handbook is the breakdown of the map. It tells you exactly what to do, uh, whether it's a question or a statement. So the same, the same um, process, you have the stage. Each stage has a specific step. So here we do have the data, data collection, uh, 1.2 is success criteria, and we have a question or an action to take. So for example, for this one, what's the expected impact on business results? And the good thing is that you can use the current version of the map that you just downloaded because it's editable. So you can you know, just type in and you have your full project into one document. And I'd like to ask you another question. You can use the, the chat box. When you design or develop e-learning courses, what typically are the templates that you rely on? What are the templates that you use throughout your design and development journey? So one person said that they use their past training designs. So maybe pull up a, an old design and start building off of that. Uh, I use PowerPoint to storyboard. Uh, storyboard on, on Word that I've customized over time. So you, you start to build your own stuff. The more you do it, the more you want it a certain way. Uh, customized changes. Uh, it changes from time to time. There's no typical template because every project is mm -hmm. so different. Um, a program map. A lot of people, lot of people saying they just use their past designs. They'll pull up an old project okay. and then that. Another person says that they use their Lector Lectora templates or okay. the template from eLearning Brothers. We have a storyboarding template that a lot of people will use as well. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I agree with all the comments. And uh, I think one of the other benefits of the second section, which is the handbook, it, is that it has a couple of templates. And as you mentioned, Andrew, one of which is the storyboard. Uh, but again, every designer has his own preference in, in storyboarding as well as how he communicates with the developer. If they have different roles. But the thing is as well, it has a quality assurance form that you can use internally to um, make sure that uh, your output is, is up to the standards, as well as a user acceptance testing form. And uh, I'll share with you another example, another story here. Uh, we were creating a course related to chat, live chat, uh, for a call center. And um, at the time, our L1 results, so, um, the uh, um, reaction uh, at one of Kirkpatrick. So the feedback we, we we usually receive from learners was quite high. And we were typically applying or following the user acceptance testing implementation before the official initial launch of, of the course. 
And we were sort of kind of uh, proud of, of this course, kind of uh, a bit, you know, I, I, I don't know. We said, okay, there is, we were kind of confident about the output, so there is no need to use the, to do any user acceptance testing. And for the specific one, uh, our L1 results went down by 20%, which is kind of huge. So that was another lesson learned uh, uh, that we uh, learned from skipping one or more of the steps of uh, the learning design map. And third is um, the checkpoint. And this is your quality assurance uh, stage. This is the thing that uh, make sure that you're not forgetting anything that you will more or less um, uh, create quality content. Uh, and it, it has the checkpoints or principles like you can see uh, other learning principles, neuroscience of learning, uh, content tone and readability and so on and so forth. And here you can find, um, for example, remember our 5.1 step, which is was related to learning objectives. He tells you that, okay, do not move forward to 5.2 before you make sure that you're applying added learning principles and so on and so forth. So another question to you, and we have another poll, our last poll. What do you, do you think is uh, the most frequently uh, checkpoint, which, which checkpoint is the most repeated one in our uh, third section? Is it so that poll is up on the screen. You guys can click right on it. Content tone and readability, organization's learning environment, subject matter expert review and approval, or uh, you know learning principles, adult learning principles. These are coming in, uh, and I think everybody's agreeing on on one of these for sure. Uh, we'll give you guys about five more seconds here. All right, and the results are in. 61% of our audience says it's subject matter subject matter expert review and approval. Um, the others are nowhere near that. So that would be this audience's consensus. Yeah, for for our map, it's it's by far um, the SME review and approval as well as stakeholders alignment and approval. So the very first two columns in your uh, checkpoint table, they are very frequent because they are very important. And if you remember correctly, we said we don't want to redo any work. We need our stakeholders to be aligned and SMEs, you know, uh, give us the sign off or, or the green light for whatsoever uh, we, we develop. And uh, I think one of the things here to mention as well, uh, we had a case in which we a bit ignored uh, having frequent uh, alignment sessions or meetings with our SMEs and stakeholders. And typically after we launch any course, after any engagement, we send a survey to our stakeholders and ask them for their NPS. And for this particular project, our NPS was three, which is extremely low, right? So again, that's another lesson learned that, you know, when there is a checkpoint, let's follow the checkpoint. And when we did that, our NPS uh, reached the nine which is a promoter, not a demoter. So that was another lesson learned to, um, related to the use of checkpoints. So I'll pause here and let's take a couple of questions before sharing with you a couple of examples on how to use the e-learning design map. There is one quick question. Would you mind defining NPS? Yeah, sure. So uh, 
NPS is net promoter score. So after it's like similar to customer satisfaction. So, uh, and it's a rating from one to 10. Uh, I think nine and 10 are promoters and below this, there's, you know, sort of neutral people. And then from one to six or zero to six is, you know, people wouldn't recommend uh, working for your, working with your team as a client. So it's sort of how they were satisfied of our relationship, our output and so on and so forth. And who measures your NPS? So it's a survey that we send to our stakeholders. So uh, if you're working in a corporate L&D and you receive a request, let's assume from the marketing department. So this is your client uh, and this client has his own SMEs. So your SMEs are as well included in this NPS survey because you need to know how you dealt with them in terms of alignment, communication, commitment, did you meet their expectations and so on and so forth. So this is the, the kind of people who fill in the survey or as answer the question of NPS. Excellent. Would you use parts of the guide as a template for documenting conversations with the subject matter experts or stakeholders? Yeah, that's a very good question. Actually, the very first section, uh, which is about identifying the needs uh, and the validation, uh, I, I typically pin them and, and go with them with the first meeting uh, with uh, my stakeholders to make sure that I go over the, the, the questions. Uh, and as you go all over the 47 steps, there are back and forth discussion between you as a designer or developer and with the stakeholders. So yeah, uh, most of them, you will find them very useful in those meetings or conversations. Yep. Excellent. All right. Those are all the questions we'll take now. We can uh, move on and we'll take more questions later. Okay, cool. So let's share with you a couple of examples and here I'll take just sections from the e-learning design map and not the, the whole map, of course, for the sake of time. So number one, we were creating a course uh, about anti-corruption for an NGO, British NGO, um, all over the world, 8,000 employees. And uh, at the time of when dealing with the SMEs, we identified that there are four types of corruption like bribery, nepotism, and so on and so forth. And they wanted us to teach them how to deal with those types of corruption. So uh, in, in uh, this is just a snapshot of one of the sections of the design uh, map, which is stage seven. So in stage seven, which is the core of the design, we have 7.2.1, which is the design strategy. So how we use this, we thought that, okay, we have four types of corruption. So thought, okay, maybe it could be a good idea to go for a case-based course in which you go over four cases and you know you interact with the case and you know uh, identify what's the proper solution to this case also we thought that it's good to be gamified because after doing some audience analysis we thought okay maybe to increase the engagement uh, it would be good and especially that the lms was supporting us to include some gamification elements so we had pointing system we had badges so uh, the better you deal with anti-corruption, you get, you know, I can't remember, but I think there was a silver badge, a golden badge, and so on and so forth. And for that was the design strategies we applied. And for the lesson plan model, so how are we going to organize the instructions within each section? Uh, we thought that um, the CCAF model, which is context, uh, challenge, activity, and feedback, they go very well with whether simulation-based or case-based, in which you give your learning a specific context, and then here's the challenge. 
okay, take the decision now, which is the action, and then um, share the feedback. So again, we have a case-based gamified using CCAF model as a, a solution. So this is a snapshot of the home page or landing page of the course. So here you will have a sort of a city. Uh, we created a city uh, with the support of our graphic designers, and it had four locations in black. Uh, you can see a farm, a coffee shop, a factory, and a government institution. And those were very, very well selected because those are four of the locations where this NGO operates. And uh, there was complete freedom for the learning to select any of these locations. Once clicking, you start getting uh, the context. So in the coffee shop, you you met this person. He, you know, and then the ch the challenge he offered you a bribery, and then what would be the feedback? And once you finalize those locations, that state changes to colored, which means that you fulfilled. You get your coins and your badges. So that was uh, an example. Another one is in a call center environment, and uh, we were teaching agents or customer service agents how to deal with different types of customers. And we identified three types of customers. So the easy one, which calls and knows exactly what he wants. Uh, the second one is the angry. So, you know, and, and we all, we, we were all this type of customer, right? So we call the customer service and we were angry for one reason or another. And the third one is the hesitant, which is the most difficult, by the way, based on our analysis, which actually calls, but doesn't know exactly what he wants. So we thought, okay, we have the, the, the easy, uh, the angry, and the hesitant. And then we got this crazy idea, okay, why don't we sort of mimic uh, the, the 60s, I think it was 96, 1960s movie, uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly of Clint Eastwood, if you know it. So, okay, so we said, okay, we, we do have some luxury in our organization, which is related to the learning environment. Uh, we have our own studios, recording studios, we have our digital cameras and microphones, so very well equipped studio. And at the same time, uh, the, the, the learning or e-learning perception was at the beginning kind of routine, uh, a bit boring. So we needed something that is more visual, more creative uh, to boost completion and of course impact. So we said, okay, let's mimic this atmosphere of uh, old Western movies, right? And uh, we went actually the extra mile and we got some, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 all the props that would convey the message and we created some posters, uh, which is part, as I will show you next, in the Gadiness phase in the e-learning design map, how to create hype about your course. So uh, we brought, you know, uh, revolvers, poncho, hats, and we had this, you know, those are actually uh, my colleagues in the organization. So we went to our studio and we had to take some, you know, create some videos. And as you can see, uh, um, the reward at the bottom of each poster is different based on the complexity of the situation that you will face. So uh, if you go to step 7.1, which is about the gaddiness, we decided to go for a marketing campaign. I think that was three weeks or so before launching the course. And for our design strategy, it was simulation based. So we, we, we put the customer service agent in a real atmosphere and it was gamified as I showed you. So those were a couple of examples how you can use sections of the e-learning design map to make sure that you're meeting uh, your customer expectations and achieving your goals. Uh, 
do you have any further questions, Andrew? Um, there are a couple questions here um, and a comment. Thank, thank you to to you for making the handout a uh, fillable form so that it's uh it's workable so thank you that that's that's great um there is a quick question are the models of 7.2.2 explained uh, in the handbook hmm. that's a good question uh it was explained in the previous learning design map uh, i can share with you um sample of it uh in terms of the models like ccaf uh, war hopes uh, but no, because this is not sort of a, um, a reference book, it's sort of a, a handbook. Uh, but at the end, I'll share with you how you can uh, know those resources or know those, you know, sort of abbreviations. What do you mean by ROPES, WAR, and GANI, and those stuff? But it's not sure. covered here. Okay. Are you going to cover in the, the session what the other acronyms in the model, uh, in the model section mean? Or maybe. Maybe that's a better question for if you if you want to know those at the end, we're going to be sharing some contact information. You can reach out to Mohammed directly and uh, he can work with you to get the answers to those questions. And that yep. might be uh, the case with some of these other questions as well. So we'll move along and then we'll see how much time we have at the end. Okay, cool. So the last section, as I promised you, is how our e-learning design map will, will help us save. You remember the very first six, cha six challenges? of not having control, consistency, engagement, stakeholder alignment, redoing some work, and uh, the proper identification of the client needs. So, uh, number one, as you scroll through your uh, e-learning design map, you'll find that it's very, I think it's quite comprehensive. It took us around 18 months to work on it to make sure that everything has been included. Uh, again, you will not use 100% of it in your project to set your expectations because we try to make everything available. But again, it's as you, most of you mentioned, it's based on the need. Uh, maybe these 50%, 60% of it. So uh, being comprehensive will give you full control exactly where you are in your process, especially if you're a senior instruction designer and you have different designers working with you. So you know, um, I'm, I'm at stage nine, I'm at stage seven, whatsoever. And consistency, because you're following more or less the same approach. And I share with you a couple, I think three, uh, sort of bad experiences of lacking consistency. Uh, also, um, since um, most of the models and theories are sort of embedded within the map, whether in the questions or statements that you need to fulfill, then again, it, it that um, fulfills the consistency part as well as guarantees the part of the engagement because we're, we're taking care of the other learning principles, we're taking care of new sense of learning, we're taking care of different learning modalities and so on and so forth. And we're very learning centered in the in the e-learning design map. In terms of stakeholders and redoing things, as I told you, we, we typically advise people to work in an agile uh, iterative approach uh, so that you make sure that your stakeholders are always aligned, committed, and that would save you uh, time to redo anything, as well as uh, the checkpoints serves you to make sure, yeah, I can now move from stage three to stage four confidently. And the the question that we had at the beginning, using uh, parts of, of, of the map in the interviews with the SMEs, which are the mainly uh, stages are one and two, they are quite detailed, 
So you make sure that you're building your hypothesis properly because you've done your homework of um, identifying properly the client need and validating before going into the proposal. So those were um, uh, the things that we found after applying uh, the e-learning design map in real projects, how it it's, was serving us to uh, overcome those challenges. Um, so typically, the plan was to have a Kahoot game here to sort of do a recap, but unfortunately, there was a problem in the system. So I'll go for a very simple, uh, you know, key takeaways that I would like to share with you before uh, the last segment of Q&A. Uh, the first is, remember that the e-learning design map is a comprehensive project management tool along with handouts rather than a new instruction design model because people sometimes say, you know, it's, it's a new instruction design model. No, it's not an instruction design model. It's a project management tool that we're considering different design models and, and you know, we took the best from each one. Second, it focuses on asynchronous self-based e-learning. Uh, the previous one, this one at, at the top with the colors green, orange, and blue, that was the previous learning design map, which was focusing on instructor-led training and virtual instructor-led training. But this one is mainly focusing on asynchronous self-based e-learning. Third, it's composed of these uh, three components, three sections, uh, the map for the project management high level, details in the handbook and quality assurance or quality control with the checkpoints. And finally, actually it's not can be used, it's recommended to be used in agile iterative uh, way. So those were the main uh, key points I wanted to discuss with you and yeah, I think it's, it's time for questions. Excellent, excellent. Uh, there is a question here, how big is your team? Okay, so uh, previous organization, it, it depends from organization to organization. In certain cases, it, uh, it was 13, uh, and then we I went for more specialization. So the, the organization before the, uh, the one I'm, I'm currently working in, I had two developers, uh, a team of graphic designers, um, LMS admin and animator. Currently, I do have instruction, Directly to me, instruction design uh, designer and three e-learning developers with the capacity to work on graphic designs as well, and and some animations. But when I go into project, I have a matrix, uh, you know, structure. So sometimes I can find myself, you know, working with ten more or less people. So that's the team. Excellent. Uh, there's a question here. Does e-learning brothers use this? I'm assuming they're talking about our custom team, Rich. Do you want to uh, maybe take that one? Well, uh, it's just been introduced to us, so we haven't, we use components of it, but we haven't used the formal model, but certainly our vice president of custom um, is looking at this now that Mohammed has introduced us to it. And I did want to ask Mohammed, what have you found? Well, I love this because, you know, I've been doing this type of work for a couple of decades now, but we often find that we get stuck at certain spots or there are places where we've forgotten something or we've just gotten um, so used to doing it one way. But have you noticed that there's, if there, if there's one area of the ELDM where we find that it helps us stay on track? What would that be? Whether it's working with stakeholders or being thoughtful about your uh, methodology regarding how you're going to present objectives or I don't know your experience what has been kind of sort of a hot spot 
I think the hotspot would be uh, you will find in 5.2 of the impact matrix. So I think currently in organizations, we're not talking about just, you know, uh, producing content. We're talking about leaving impact. So what was missing in the previous learning design map is this, this um, focus on the impact. And we're trying to reach um, as much as we can providing evidence on the result site, which is L4, as long as, uh, as much as we can. So that was the main highlight of this version, uh, alongside with the design stage, which is seven, uh, because it's completely different than the previous one you're talking about, um, e-learning. And, and here we're focusing on the journey. So, and that's why you will have readiness phase, even before introducing the course to your learners. And then there is the learning phase, which is, yeah, the, the, the real formal uh, course. And then you will have the reinforcement stage. And this is, in my opinion, this is the, the most appropriate cycle to make learning stick, to change the behavior, and accordingly impact results. Uh, so those were, I would say, the two main uh, highlights of this version of the e-learning design map. Thank you. Excellent. Wonderful. Uh, what is the average, so obviously we've got a lot of developers here and a lot of designers, what is the average time to produce a 15-minute course? Or in other words, how has this created uh, efficiency or has it created efficiency? Okay, that's a tough question because um, we have, we're serving 2,000 plus employees. So, uh, and that's why I told you, you will not use every time everything here. So we have different aspects or dimensions we consider like scalability, agility, uh, uh, localization of the seven, around six or seven aspects, according to which we prioritize the design strategy. And the core is the design strategy because based on the design strategy, you will create your sketches or um, storyboards. Sometimes I go for sketches for the sake of time. Sometimes we create full storyboards. Based on the design strategy, you can go for a very sort of, I would say, uh, intermediate interactive course using maybe WISE or basic interactivities in uh, Storyline or Captivate. Or you can go the, the extreme to a complete simulation base. So there is no clear cut answer. Uh, but 15 slides, um, let's assume, average or intermediate interactivity using and to be produced as a SCORM package, maybe around, I don't know, a couple, three days, including building the assets, more or less. And, and we have in, we call it the e-learning development calculator. So we have a calculator in which you include whether you have assets, to what extent the assets are complicated. Do you have a voiceover? Do you have a video? Do you have an animation? And you have sort of, you know, drop-down menus, and at the end, it would give you an estimate number of per 10 slides, how long it, it would take. But in a nutshell, it's all about the design strategy and what approach you're going to take. Wonderful. Uh, how has COVID-19 changed the way you're working, um, including working with your clients? And I think this is a great question for both, both of you, Richard and Mohammed. but uh, let, let's go to Mohammed first. Okay, cool. So, uh, Couple of things. Uh, number one, in terms of the organization, uh, we didn't stop any e-learning because we have a strong LMS. Uh, people are, you know, they are. Uh, that's part of the normal having e-learning courses. We couldn't create a full journey because there were no the face-to-face -face interaction. We couldn't do any marketing campaigns and so on and so forth. But 
as, as a course itself, not a journey, it, I wouldn't say it was impacted. Uh, definitely meeting the stakeholders face-to-face, -face, having the very first savvy start, as Michael Allen says, uh, the very first you know, brainstorming session, that was lacking virtually, to be honest with you. So it has an impact on the innovation. And in terms of different learning modalities, uh, we used to rely on instructor led training, which completely changed to virtual instructor led training, everything on, on webinars. Yeah. Richard? I would say, yeah, I mean, internally, probably many of you, many of us have been the same way. Our office is certainly remote now. You know, we're, we're a, a company of 100 people. And we, uh, you know, are all we have offices in Florida, New York, and Utah. We're all at home most of the time. We've started to allow some to come into the office here and there. But beyond that, in terms of our clients and our customers, um, we're, we're probably, probably a lot of us have seen a lot of the noise. Uh, how are you doing? Companies reaching out. And, you know, it's, I call it white noise, but we have done some reach outs to our, our clients. How's it going? Um, how can we help? Um, we're finding that we are able to do a lot of just providing remote uh, types of resources for our clients. So early on, we many of you probably saw that we provided um, a remote work, uh, a remote worker series of courses for free that folks can download, use on their LMS. We had just a tremendous response to that. Uh, Andrew actually, I think, led that campaign, which was awesome to see that. We've also had a lot of um, on the custom side, um, a lot of requests for help, you know, as projects were sort of sitting, they got going again. So we've been able to help people get their training online. So I, I guess I would say from a, uh, you know, from a company perspective, certainly it's changed the way we work. Luckily, we, you know, are very, very remote workforce. So that's been great. Hmm. And then watching the industry, um, been, again, a lot of need for getting things online. Maybe things were not moving and then suddenly they are moving because it's important to you know get things moving in such a way that uh, people can get the training they need without having to face to face so i don't know if that helps but it's kind of my perspective on, on what's been going on i think that goes into uh another question here so with this need to push courses as fast as you can this person says i wish i could be so thorough in my planning of courses but I'm the only training developer, illustrator, and LMS admin on top of my technical writing responsibilities. Perhaps I could extract those sections that would be the most impactful. Um, there, you know, we're not, while this may make our work more organized, we're looking for something that's just gonna help us push content out faster in a more organized way. Um, thoughts on that? Uh, I agree with you. Uh, I think there is a book called um, E-Learning, the Department of One. Uh, in, in many organizations, it's the same person doing uh, everything. There is no right or wrong, but uh, my preference is for uh, specialization. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it would be a challenge because in some organizations, it's about pushing content in, in a very short period of time. And to be honest with you, uh, when that is the case, like for example, uh, creating, uh, if there are any SOPs, uh, procedures, uh, things related to compliance, I don't think you will have the luxury to follow those sort of structured approach to create content. But if you're creating something that would be sustainable, which means that you won't change it any um, uh, going forward because processes change, policies change, but things like uh, related to the, your corporate values, for example, or 
leadership behaviors or things related to coaching soft skills more or less this content is worth investing the time because it will be there and it will be used across the board for different layers in the organization in that case i think you will benefit for using most of um, the stages here if it's just about the producing content and respond to requesting me rapidly um, I think maybe you would like to jump to you know steps seven, eight, and nine, and 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 see what 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 specific steps uh, you will benefit from. But I can see your point, of course. Um, I I feel like I also wanted to point out, and someone in our audience has pointed out, you know, if you're trying to push content out faster, eLearning Brothers has tons and tons of uh, templates and assets that can really help your development time get cut in half, if not more. Um, 100%. Let's see. There's uh, we're we're coming close on time. I'll maybe take one or two more questions. Uh, do you have any suggestions on ways to create interesting products step-by-step -step lessons? Our customers use lessons as uh, just-in-time training. So uh, one of the approaches, and you will find it in the uh, design sketches, is, is having linked lessons or linked sessions, uh, which is fine. Uh, people would say that could be one of the least engaging ways but again uh, it depends on to what extent you need to um, respond to the request so uh, i had this discussion with the team uh, and typically designers developers would go for a very comprehensive engaging you know sort of simulation based courses or game based courses but it depends on many factors you can go for just just in time learning or you know linked sessions uh, so again it depends on the current situation and need uh, and I, I do apply it many times, by the way. Um, the, I, we'll take two more quick questions. Well, maybe one question in the comment here. How detailed should the storyboard be, and what is the best format to use, in your opinion? For example, is it PowerPoint? Is it inside the tool itself? And how close to the final look and feel should it be? An interesting question. So, uh, if you noticed earlier, I said uh, sketching slash storyboarding. Uh, I think storyboard. If you're talking about there is a designer and instructional designer, and there is a developer. So we have two people. So I think uh, whatsoever you're going to uh, deliver to this developer needs to be easy, and there should be sort of an alignment. Uh, I've been using a, an old template, and then I joined a company, and I found that the three developers I, I'm working with. They, they they don't find it handy, they don't find it easy to use. So I completely change it. So uh, my preference is to use visual uh, storyboards. I use PowerPoints, but again, it's all about the communication between you and uh, the developer. As the relationships strengthen, as, and as the developer understands uh, what is the mind of the designer, I currently do not even storyboard. I just sketch, I, I take my you know tablet and throw some uh, some you know sort of uh, assets on my screen and I just email them or show them to my developer so now they they understand me what I'm meaning by this moving here or the an specific animation or specific and interactivity or spe specific figure or variable to be included so again it's how to make it easy for the user which is the developer to create without getting back to you um, uh, you know often to ask questions I'm not a big fan of the word-based or the text-based storyboard. 
uh, I found them not very handy or, or user friendly to the again no right or wrong but this is my own experience sure. as for uh, yeah for rapid authoring or you're creating on the tool itself that that's good if you uh, if you're showing it to uh, the stakeholder to get a sort of uh, a, the green light to proceed so you can create a couple of slides um, uh, as a storyboard on your authoring tool uh, this last question uh, I'm going to throw at you, Rich. Uh, we have a lot of one-man shops here um, on this session. A lot of people are saying, yep, I'm a, I'm a one-man uh, show, and so I don't have the time or the quality or the, or the, the, the ability to scope out all of these layers without a large team. Um, and, and you, before you were in customer success, you spent a lot of time with the eLearning Brothers custom team, and, and we talked about them a little bit before. Does our eLearning Brothers custom team have the ability to help a one-man shop for a short time, or does it have to be they take over the course and, and build everything for you? Uh, how, how can we work with a one-man shop? It's a great question. Uh, first of all, I've been there, certainly have done that in my career, so my hat's off to you. I know what that feels like. Uh, Muhammad's ELDM, um, you know, this tool is, I think, an incredible reminder for those of us who are a one-man shop and often feel like, like for example, I used to often feel like I have no time for design. I can't really think creatively about what should this look like and who is the audience and what will they appreciate? I just gotta go right to develop something and bang it out and kick it, and kick it out and mm -hmm. the stakeholders are happy. So I've been there, I totally, totally get it. Um, so yes, we have done that often with clients who just need help for a period of time and we call it like a support services agreement. So it is something that the team has done um, where we're able to just put something in place to say, let's help you on an ad hoc basis as you have need. We work with our production team to do that. So yeah, I mean, feel free to reach out. You know, I'm just Richard at elearningbrothers.com. I can certainly steer you in the right direction if we can provide some help. And you may be surprised at what we have just ready-made. Um, as, as Andrew mentioned earlier, somebody had made a comment about all the uh, pieces we have that could help you quickly. Um, but you know, as a one-man shop, I highly recommend taking Muhammad's work, printing this out, putting it on your wall, and just making reminders of areas where we might be sacrificing as we're moving along. Muhammad used to be an international consultant, but maybe you're too busy now. But I think uh, actually <laughs> the reason plan of having the Kahoot game was to offer the top three uh, people who score a sort of couple of hours of free consultation in in their upcoming e-learning awesome. uh, courses. But now I think it will be first in, first served. So the first three who will reach out to me, I think, and I'm sorry for that. That's the only option I do have is to serve them, uh, of course, in their uh, upcoming courses using ELDM. And a round of applause for Muhammad for this episode. For more learning inspiration and resources, visit elearningbrothers.com.